This is the Evangelists Conference podcast. The Evangelists Conference is hosted by J. John, Killy John, and Andy Economides for those called to do the work of the evangelist. To find out more and to book your place for next year, visit evangelistsconference.com. Morning, everyone. On day one of the conference, John at one stage said, some people talk about, well, I'd rather burn out than rust out. God's desire is for you to do neither. It's not a question of burning out. It is a question of burning bright. If you're taking notes... I'm going to call this session The Resilient Evangelist. And I want to start by by sharing with you almost something I feel a tad uncomfortable sharing with you. Um, I think it's a bit cheesy. I think it's a bit corny. But I also think it's so, so true. And actually it's on God's heart for you to know it. Even though it sounds a bit quirky, bit fun, bit cheesy, bit corny, I genuinely, genuinely, passionately believe God wants to tell you something. And in fact, I want you to turn to the person next to you because what I'm about to say to you, you're going to say to them. So just turn to the person next to you, please. If you're struggling to find a partner, you'll have to make a threesome. And I just want you to say the following to each other. You are utterly and totally and completely and positively mad. M A D making a difference it is cheesy and it is corny and it is true because I think sometimes we get into this false narrative this false humility and I know it's going to sound controversial it's just all about Jesus nothing to do with me it is no it's everything to do with you it is everything to do with you we are his voice One voice changed the Democrat convention and the whole Obama campaign. One voice. When you set up your ministry, you are making a difference. When Mark set up what he does, which I'm passionate about because I operate in the marketplace, and for years I felt like I'm a second-class Christian because I'm not called by God. No, we are all called by God. If you're a stay-at-home mum, a stay-at-home dad, bringing up your kids, you're mad, you make a difference. And I think God wants to say to you, when we sing songs, Lord, heal this nation, here's a question to ask yourself, how? How's he going to do it? Through us, through his church. Oh, and I'm going to be controversial I think God can heal this nation through people who don't even know him, but live by his values and his principles. 
that have been discipled before they've been evangelized. And I just want us to recognize, seriously, in humility, yes, I know, John 15, you are the vine, we are the branches, and I get it, 100% get it. Apart from you, I can do nothing. That's true. Hold that there. But we are co-creators in Christ. God does not look at you and go, you're just my puppets, I'll pull the strings. God does not look at you as the grand chess player and go, you're just the pawn, stay on your square until I move you. God looks at all of us today and says, welcome partners, welcome. You're mad, you make a difference in everything you do. But I want you to know this, it is possible at times to make a negative difference. And it's interesting what John said, wasn't it, again on day, I think it was maybe yesterday, two reasons why people don't become Christians. Number one, because they've never met a Christian, and number two, because they have. And there is that sense in which I wake up every day and I'm thinking, right, how are we going to make a difference today, Lord? And that's what I want to share with you, but I also want us to think about one of those four C's that Mitch talked about yesterday. Because I kind of mean, yeah, we're, we're called, love the call, you know, consecrated, yeah, consecrated. People of character, yeah, 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 people of character. But it's a word that, interestingly enough, Mark picks up upon in his talk about the four C's from yesterday. It's maybe the one that's less sexy of the four. Consistency. I want to burn bright. Not because I've just been to an evangelist conference. I want to burn bright. 365 days of the year. So that's where I'm going, folks. That's where I'm going. Briefly, my background, and because someone said to me, so what's your name? And then they went, why are you called Sumo? I'll tell you that in a moment. My, my theological training, I have zero. No, no theological training whatsoever. My background, it's in beef burgers. I started off my life many years ago as a graduate management trainee working for Bird's Eye Walls. I specialised in HR First six months of my job, I'm in an office pushing pen and paper. Then I had a life-changing conversation with a factory manager. He said, Paul, do you know what's going to be really good for your development if you spend some time actually in the factory managing the 30 women on the economy beef burger line? I'm like, bring it on. Bring it on. Two main lessons I got from that experience. Number one, don't eat economy beef burgers. I know what goes into them. Do you know what else I learned? When arrogance meets ignorance, when arrogance meets ignorance, that's a really dangerous cocktail. I think I was a bit of both. I thought managing 30 women should be relatively straightforward. Because after all, I've got a degree. I've got a background in psychology and I've trained and worked as a probation officer where I first met Mark Ritchie. I love you. <laughs> I sensed I wasn't the first graduate management trainee those 30 women had ever come across. Imagine the scene. For food hygiene purposes, when I'm in the factory, got to wear a special little outfit. Wore a white coat and a large blue hairnet. I look flipping amazing. <laughs> Walk on the shop floor, 30 women just like lining up to greet me. They've all got that kind of like look on their face. Go on then. <laughs> Motivate me.
Brenda, leader of the pack, steps forward, looks at me, turns to her colleagues and goes, girls, we're going to have some fun here. <laughs> and they did. <laughs> Can I make a slightly controversial point? I don't think sometimes my university education prepared me for dealing with life. And I just wonder whether, with some church leaders I've met, whether theological college prepared them to lead a church. Do you know what I mean? Those 30 women taught me, and I'm loving the church, we need to, but we need to equip the church, don't we? And we don't change the world by just knowing a bit of Greek and Hebrew. That can be helpful, but we need to do a lot more. We need to do a lot more. If you want to get the best out yourself, which I do, if you want to get the best out of others, which I do, and if I want to get the best out of this life, which is an absolute privilege, I'll tell you this. Training and qualifications, I've realised, will only take you so far. Nothing beats a bit of wisdom. Godly wisdom. Nothing beats, I'll be honest with you, some hard work. And believe it or not, again, maybe not seen as a Christian trait, a little bit of flipping self-belief. I love that Mitch talked just last night about the fight. You know, I would actually say humility. We've got to have humility. But that doesn't have to say so. If we're humble, we just see ourselves as nothing. We are something. And we need to back ourselves. But sometimes even when you do all of that, life throws you a bit of a curveball. Within 12 months... I've been in this high-flying graduate management trainee role where Unilever in 1987 took on four graduates in the whole of the UK to specialise in HR. I was one of them. Wow. Twelve months later, I'm on invalidity benefit. That's what they called it. I'd lost my job through ill health. Became ill with an illness called ME. Myalgic encephalomyelitis, yuppie flu, or chronic fatigue syndrome. I went from being high-flying graduate management trainee with all the kind of kudos that goes with that, if I'm honest, to being on what they then called invalidity benefit. It was tough. It's like, God, where are you in this? I'm 24 years old. I've been married a year. I've got a walking stick, and my wife sometimes on days when I'm so weak has to wash me. Kind of wasn't really in the script. I had some amazing Christians who just stood by me and supported me. And I had others who decided this is God's way of telling you to, to look them well, slow down. I had others trying to cast demons out of me. I've had a mixed experience of being a Christian. One of the people who got alongside me and supported me was J. John. So we met in 84 known this guy 40 years, 40 years. You know what John does? He reaches out to me, says, I know you're not fully well, but I'm doing a mission, doing a mission in Leeds, and I'm doing a mission in Oxford. Would you just come along and be beside me and do a little bit of stuff? Do you know what? Gave me a sense of meaning and a sense of purpose and a sense of hope. You know, yesterday when Matt preached... And we want to be fired up. I need you to know this, folks. Being fired up, particularly when you've been here, I think is fairly straightforward. What we need to do is to keep the fire going. And do you know what I realise fires need to burn? 
They need oxygen. And do you know what? We've got to get this. We all need the oxygen of encouragement. When I've got my walking stick, when I've had to sometimes have hell and wash my hair, but then I have a day where, all right, next week I'm going to be in Leeds helping Jay John a little bit, only in a very low-key way. It gave me that oxygen of encouragement. We need to be aware of that. After three years of this battle, improve, relapse, improve, relapse, I got to the point of thinking, I'm not well enough to maybe even work full-time ever again. And I I don't know if I'll ever fully recover from this illness, but I don't need my walking stick anymore. And I just thought, I'm going to try and get myself a little part-time job. You know, I couldn't get a job doing anything because no one would hire me. So here's what I did 33 years ago. I hired myself. I was flipping amazing at the interview. (laughs) I was the standout candidate, let me tell you. Since then, I've written 13 books. I used to say 12 of them are adult books, but that was got the wrong impression and reaction. <laughs> the one I'm best known for is Sumo. I brought 20 copies of this. Hardly any have sold, <laughs> right? Sold quarter of a million copies worldwide. It's a Sunday Times bestseller. I'm three o'clock this morning, I woke up. I'd love to say the Lord woke me up. It wasn't, it was my bladder. <laughs> I have TB, tiny bladder. And I was thinking about my talk. And you know what? I just felt a nudge. Every book you sell today, all the profits go to Philo. The stuff we're doing, the Eric Little, I just felt I've got to say, of course I want you to read the flipping books. I've got some flipping good stuff in it. But the profits will go to Philo. I wrote a book for kids. Profits will go to Philo. You've got a kid aged nine to 13, and I'll maybe mention a little bit about this book soon. I think you'll find that invaluable. But I didn't want to promote a book because I want to make money. I want to make a difference. And I think that means I need to think about how we get alongside supporting you because you two have supported me. Do you know what? Today, I am out of my comfort zone. I am out of my comfort zone. I'd have been out of my comfort zone to speak at this conference. I'm even more out of my comfort zone to be the closing speaker. Do you know the last time I spoke in any kind of Christian context anywhere was about five, six years ago here because of John. Do you know the only churches I've spoken at anywhere ever, ever, because of John? Heard I was going to Singapore, let me put you in touch with someone. Heard I was going to Australia. He said, let me put you in church, one of the largest Australian churches. I want you to understand this, folks. Making a difference that you do every single day, you are modelling behaviour to other people. You are a role model whether you realise it or not. Why am I called SUMO? It's an acronym. It stands for this. Shut up, move on. Some people hear that message and they go, I like that. Other people go, well, I think it sounds rather aggressive. (laughs) It's not meant to be aggressive. It's meant to be provocative and to get people's attention. And you know what? As Christians, I think, let's, let's let's not be boring or bland and beige. Let's be bold. 
And that might mean sometimes people get hold of the wrong end of the stick, but let's be bold. But what do I mean by the shut up bit? Let me ask you two questions. Show of hands, how many of you drive a car? Okay, this next question is a weird one. Trust me, it's a weird question. How many of you, by show of hands, got yourselves dressed this morning? You personally put your own clothes on. Have a quick look around the room. Anybody without their hands up? They've had a far more interesting conference than you have. You know, we do a lot of stuff in life on what you might call autopilot. We do a lot of stuff and we think in a certain way and we behave in a certain way. And we do it on autopilot without thinking. Ever had this experience? Not milking a cow, driving a car. <laughs> Have you ever been on a longish journey? Lost in your thoughts and your music and all of a sudden it's like you wake up and think, what happened to the last 10 miles? Why am I in the back seat? <laughs> Whose car is this? Because when you're driving, you're on autopilot. Now, I shared with you something earlier on, which you were very gracious. You gave me a little bit of a woo, but I'm going to tell you something now. Does not deserve a woo. It deserves this. I was recently on a speed awareness course. <laughs> Anyone ever been on a speed awareness course? <laughs> Anyone ever been on three? Just can I just say? I speak around the world, right, in a secular context. I ask that question, I never get as many hands up. <laughs> I want to say, has anyone ever been on three? No one then says it proudly and starts <laughs> cheering and clapping, except Christians. <laughs> Do you know what the guy in the speed awareness course said? He said, you are more likely to speed along a road you are familiar with and you drive along regularly. And then you said, you know why? Because you're on autopilot. When you get dressed in the morning, I strongly suspect your biggest dilemma is not what to put on first, my left and my right shoe. You do it without thinking. Shh. Is what I do in the workplace. I'm saying to people, shh, shut up. Get off autopilot. Do in fact what Mark encouraged us to do in his talk, which is to step back and reflect. Do some stopping, thinking. You see, when you think about sometimes the pace and the pressure of work, it is good to press pause. Psalm 46, 10. Be still. Be still. And know that I am God. The move on is your biggest challenge is what will you do with this conference? What will you do with the words you've heard, with the insights you've gained, with the encouragement you've been given? This is not for us to feel good here. The most important part of this conference is what happens when you've left here. And what you do and how you behave. Do you know what else I've learned? We have to adapt our message 
at times we have to use sometimes different language. I don't know if you do it anymore, John, but there came a point where I'd heard you and you started talking about not Jesus needs to be your Lord, but you used the word manager at one stage, if you remember. He needs to be your manager. I realised there were some people who just weren't receptive to sumo. They just didn't like shut up, move on. So you've got to be flexible in how you communicate. Title of the book is Shut Up, Move On, and yet someone just said, if you don't change the title of the programme, we won't be able to use it anymore, and they were using it with kids. And I remember saying to this woman, well, have you got any other ideas what I could call it? And she said, no. I said, thanks for the feedback. <laughs> but sometimes it's not about watering down the message, but it's saying, can we, can we express this in a slightly different way? S-U-M-O can also stand for stop, understand, move on. And we're going to do that. But your final bonus on the Thursday morning is this. You know, and I didn't know this when I wrote the book, sumo is a word in Latin. Get this, folks, get this. Sumo as a word in Latin means choose. Our choices have consequences. Our choices compound. Our little daily choices that we make every single day, they add up, they take us somewhere. They are part of our hallmark of consistency because we don't do stuff because we always feel like it, but because we just know it is the right thing to do. My mate Drew says this, he says, Paul, it's a bit cheesy, but I love it. Paul, every day is a choose day. C-H-O-O-S-E. I'm not, I'm a motivational speaker. That's what I do in the marketplace. I work with the public sector, the private sector. I've worked with some Premier League football teams. I'm known as a motivational speaker, but I'll tell you this. Um, I think motivation can burn out. It, you know, it's like... It's not actually motivation that gets you to places. It's your daily decisions. It's your daily disciplines. That's what'll do it. I share something, an illustration. It's in my sumo book. It's in another one. I've probably been talking about it on and off for 20 odd years. And I know some of you have come across it. It might not be through me, maybe in some other way. And you use it. And I want to share this with you because when I'm working in the marketplace, this is a way of definitely getting people to get off autopilot. I want you just to look at the screens and I want you to imagine this for a moment. And uh, this is more uncomfortable for a non-Christian to look at this than it might be for a Christian. I want you to imagine each day of the week represents... A decade of your life. Just make a mental note of where you are. Some of you were quite inspired before I started speaking. <laughs> and you've suddenly realised you're on the Saturday of your life. Cheer up, you can get a lie in. Others of you are going, I wish I was on Saturday, I'm on flipping Sunday. Cheer up, folks. Whichever day of the week you're on, you might get a bank holiday Monday and Tuesday. You're all right, Victor. Oh, by the way, the Queen, 
Queen Elizabeth, she was on the bank holiday Wednesday of her life and she was still making a difference. You know what I want you to think about is this. I want you to think about this, folks. Maybe you can do this with your team, with people in your church. Maybe you can do it when you're sharing faith. It's to show that and then say, which day of the week are you on? When, when, how was your Monday? My Monday was a bad Monday. It was a very bad Monday. By the age of nine, I'd had four fathers, four father figures. One left and then came back, but it kind of counted as two because there was others involved. By the age of 10, I ran away from home. You don't run away from home at the age of 10 unless there's some serious stuff going on. I had a faith, I would say. I was brought up as a Catholic. My, my way of describing that faith is like when I talk to my wife sometimes, we're communicating with each other, but we're not in the same room, but we are in the same house and she's shouting something to me and I'm shouting to her. And there's some kind of relationship. It's not close, but we communicate. On the Tuesday of my life, God came into the room and I became more aware of an intimate relationship with God. On the very late Tuesday of my life, I met Jay, John and Killy. On the Wednesday of my life, that's when I lost my job through ill health. On the Friday of my life, that's when I wrote a book called Sumo that was rejected by 13 publishers. And my Christian mentor just said this to me, I believe your stuff could help a lot of people. You just need to push a few more doors. I'm now on the Saturday night of my life. Metaphorically, I'm watching match of the day. And I stand before you as a 59-year-old going on to be 60, and I want you to know this. Various things I want you to know, whichever day of the week you're on, I want to live with a spirit and an attitude and a heart that says the best is yet to come. Yeah. All right? The best is yet to come. I'm inspired by Terry and Victor and Juanita. I mean, they're on. They're on the bank holiday Monday. In fact, two of you are on the bank holiday flipping Tuesday. And Victor's already looking forward to Bank Holiday Wednesday, <laughs> right? I am inspired by them. But I also want you to think about, I could look back on some of the days of the week and I wouldn't have a lot of pride over certain things that happened. I'd be embarrassed. I'd be uncomfortable. And that happened even when I was a Christian. And you know what? Sometimes I need, I, this is not a scripture, but it's a phrase I think some of you need to hear because maybe you've made some bad choices. Maybe you've screwed up. Here's one of the words I think I want some of you to know, and that is this, that you need to say to yourself, you need to encourage yourself, you need to breathe life into yourself. And of course you do that through the word, but also remember these words, six words, is it six words? Yeah, six words. I've had to say this to myself when some of the memories of the past come back to want to haunt me and revisit me. You know what I say now? That was then. This is now. That was then. This is now. I think we've got to be careful of sometimes living in the past, celebrate the past, learn from the past don't live there. I think sometimes we're so busy thinking about the future, but it's like, what's happening now? Oh, and by the way, you know when 
Dr. Sally Bell talked about lifestyle, I will say this. The choices I've been making every day of the week will influence, I think, the quality of the rest of the journey. You see, I'm not abdicating my personal responsibility. I'm not saying it's all right, God's got my back. I can live my life however I want. I can live any kind of lifestyle I want. It doesn't matter. You know, he's my Jehovah Jireh. He's my healer and provider. No, no, no. I take a little bit of personal responsibility as well. Folks, you know what I do when I'm working with businesses and working with people? I want them. I say this, look, I go to garden centres And with every plant or bush you buy, it comes with a set of, here's how best to look after me. And the majority of people I speak to will never know that I'm a Christian. But my heart is that they learn how to thrive and flourish as human beings. And many of them are tapping into that. And yet I come across sometimes Christians within churches and I think, I don't know. I'm not quite sure if you really know how to thrive and flourish. It's a tough message, but I just think God's heart is for everyone, whether you come to know him or not, he is for you. We're all made in his image. And an insight I want to share with you that has helped me on my journey is a little formula. I talk about it in the Sumo book. I talk about it in my book for kids. There's the formula. E plus R equals O. To unpack it, I want to share with you a story that happened a few years ago. I got an email off a relative who lives in Australia. When I read the email, I felt angry, emotional, and wanting to throttle him. I was upset. I was hurt. I said to my wife, because she sees the good in everyone, Helen, just, just read this. What do you reckon? She read it and she went, <laughs> She often does owl impressions. She's a bit random. <laughs> She said, he is totally out of order. I thought, I'm going to reply. I'm going to reply. I'm going to respond to this flipping email. But I've got a super, I've got a superpower, and that is this, I'm a slow typer. <laughs> and as I'm starting to type, I thought about this. If I send this email, what's my outcome going to be? And I remember thinking this, my outcome's going to be this, him and I no longer speaking. And then when he comes home at Christmas, people are going to go, how come you two are no longer speaking? And I would say this, you should have seen the email he sent me. When a more honest, accurate answer would have been, the reason I've got that outcome, the reason why we're no longer speaking is because of the email he sent me And my reply, my response, my reaction. Folks, I want you to know this. We all get events in life. Some of them are great. They're positive. Some of them are quite a challenge. But I think my heart for you today is to understand this. Two people in this room could have a very similar event, but they can end up with a different outcome. Why? Because of how we react or how we respond. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is going to be arrested. Peter's reaction, Peter's response, he tries to basically slice the head off someone. He gets their ear. And Jesus, who had said previously, love your enemies, reaches out and heals it. Here's what I want you to be thinking about. 
you and I have got events going on in our worlds right now. And what I want you to think about and remember is this. It is not simply the event. It is how you respond or react to it that influences the outcome. And I think, and this is, I just feel nudged to say this. Some of you are waiting for God to show up to do something. Great. And in certain situations, that's all you can do. But I think there are certain situations, friends, where I think God's saying, it's your call. How are you going to respond? Because just because that's been the event, it doesn't mean that's going to be an inevitable outcome. I want to share with you a little bit of neuroscience to help you understand the difference between a response and a reaction. In 2011, a book came out. It's an iconic book in the business world and in the psychological world. It's called Thinking Fast and Slow by a guy called Daniel Kahneman. He talks about two systems in our brain. System one, our fast brain. System two, our slow brain. When I explain his work, I use a couple of baseball caps. We need to understand how God has created us. And we learned a little bit of that from Sally. But I want to also understand a little bit about how our brains work, how we've been designed, how we've been created. Our fast brain is what might be described as our primitive emotional brain. It's fast, it's automatic, it's instinctive, it reacts. You'd be familiar with that phrase, your fight or flight response? or your freeze, fight or flight, that's your red cap. Your blue cap is your more logical, analytical, reflective part of your brain. Now, in a few months' time, you're going to maybe say, hang on a minute, what was red cap all about again? What was fast brain about? And all of a sudden, you're going to remember a song because I want you to understand what the primary purpose of our fast brain red cap is. So, you know your mad friend, you're going to turn to them and you're going to discuss your answers to three questions. In a moment, I'm going to play a song. I want you to discuss with your friend um, who sang it what was it called and what year did it come out okay get together with your friends quietly all right and let's see whether we know because this is the primary purpose of our red cap okay (laughs) who sang it yeah it wasn't Noel okay it wasn't Noel Um, what was it called year it came out We're speaking in tongues again. 74. If you said 976, you were close. If you said 78, you were close. If you said 1977, you were spot on. Now, press pause. Here's what I want to think about. Because it, it, we talk about resilience, the, the resilient evangelist. And when you think about resilience, it's that ability to lift yourself back up and to press on. I want to suggest this to you, that sometimes you fall down and rather than just simply, how do I get back up? We ask ourselves the question, why did I fall in the first place? Because sometimes it's because I'm in my reactive part of the brain. The most dominant part of our brain is our primitive emotional red cap. If you're familiar with Steve Peters' work, it's the chimp brain. Loads of people in the church have got no flipping clue about this. We're wonderfully and fearfully made. God wants us to stay alive. But the part of our brain that's still the most dominant part of our brain in 2024 was a brain that he developed to help us survive and succeed on the African savannah 200,000 years ago. And we've got to understand it's part of who we are. That when we see a beautiful sunset, 
when we hear music. It's part of our red cap, our primitive emotional brain. It's good. But there are times I've realised in life there is an event and this part of my brain hijacks this part. And I'm not thinking about outcomes. I'm just thinking about the event. I'm thinking about my hurt. I'm thinking about my anger. I'm thinking about how upset I am. And I react without thinking. And then I don't get a great outcome. And then do you know what I do? I blame the event. And some of my choices in life, I have not got good outcomes. And I just want, maybe the Holy Spirit's saying, stop thinking I'm going to zap you here, Paul. Of course you need to ask for forgiveness, but I'm not just a God who forgives, I'm a God who wants to restore you, who wants to transform you. And that also means learn the lessons. I said to my wife, I said, I'm not going to reply to this email. I don't need to reply to it just yet. I'm too hurt, I'm too upset, I'm too angry. Ephesians. In your anger, do not sin. Oh, it doesn't say don't get angry. It says in your anger, do not sin. The next day, I'm still a little bit hurt. I'm still a little bit upset. That's okay. That's all right. But I remember thinking, what outcome do I want here? This relative isn't a Christian. I feel they've been out of order. But Paul, every day is a choose day. You see, yeah, there are times when strike whilst the iron's hot. Great. Can I just tell you this in terms of your relationships? Strike whilst the iron's hot and people can get burnt. Bridges can be broken. And I just feel God's heart is for reconciliation. It's for us going the extra mile. It's for us sometimes turning the other cheek. You see, do you know what we often get caught up in when we're in that fast brain, primitive, automatic, instinctive, reactive brain? We get caught up in the event. I think part of God's heart is to say, I I get where you're at. It's okay. I get where you're at. What do you want your outcome to be? Folks, ever thought about this phrase, begin with the end in mind? And I thought to myself, what do I want my outcome to be? I want my outcome to be that we're in a good place. I chose to de-escalate the issue. Is that always the right response? No, of course it's not. But in this situation, it was. My brother came home that Christmas. I met him at Manchester Airport. We didn't sing Kumbaya back in the car on the way home. (laughs) But Christmas was good. And then, 12 months later, and there's probably only really Mark Ritchie knows what I went through. I went through one of the most traumatic and most painful parts of my life. My Friday that started off so well, the Friday of my life, with a book that comes out, becomes a Sunday Times bestseller. If I had to describe the latter part of my Friday, I'd call it Black Friday. I'm a biggest support the person who helped me the most was my brother who still lives in Australia. And do you remember I was thinking to myself, if I'd have sent the email I was going to send, he might not even be in my world. Mm. Do you know what I also want to think about? That we carve our failures into concrete. 
and we write our successes in sand. And there's a reason for that, folks. If you were on the African savanna 200,000 years ago on a hunting trip with your mate Colin and Katrina, and you're hunting for gazelles, gluten-free gazelles. <laughs> and if you're vegetarian, I do apologise, but halloumi burgers weren't available at the time. And you come across a field of gazelles, it's like... Whoa, we're in. Cancel the Tesco's, click and collect order. Look at all this food. We are going to stay alive. And all of a sudden, Katrina says, shh, shh, crouch down, crouch down. And you're like, flipping it, Katrina. We've got gazelles to hunt. No, 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 no. In the distance, I think I've just seen a saber-toothed tiger. You think you've just seen a saber-toothed tiger? Oh, fascinating. <laughs> Here's how we have been created. If you ignored the threat... You wouldn't be having lunch, you would be someone's lunch. But guess what's happened now? In January the 11th, 2024, the most dominant part of our brain is that brain that wants us to stay alive, but it reacts. And do you know what it does? It prioritises bad news. Negativity sticks to our brains like Velcro. It's like chewing gum in our hair. And we have got to be aware of that because not just the media, but the Christian media have two main goals. Sorry, one main goal. And it's not to give you information. That's not its number one goal. It's to get our attention. Which part of our brain is it going to try and appeal to to get our attention? It's going to be red cap, isn't it? Do you know, so we hear all about the scandals in the church and another leader that's fallen, etc., etc., etc. Not denying that's happened, but I'll tell you this, folks. You and I and the world generally has got a distorted view of what's happening, not just in the church, but in life generally. Because every single flipping day, a church pastor stays married to their wife and faithful and does amazing things. Every day, people show up in their ministry, in their charity, and they do good stuff. But what do we do? We get a distorted view of life. And I want to encourage you today. I want you to stop and understand. Am I sometimes kind of like too much in the red cap? Am I reacting so much to stuff when maybe God's saying, of course that's part of who you are, but I need you to manage this. I need you to get a sense of perspective. And sometimes you're going to say, but I'm hurt, I'm angry, I am upset. And actually part of being a resilient Christian is to, and evangelist is to remember this. Folks, you can have some hippo time. Hippo time's okay. What are hippos doing, mud? They wallow. And you know, part of what you, I want you to hear today is this. God would say, I believe, if you're struggling, it is okay to not always feel okay. To feel mad, bad, and sad, it's okay. It is okay. You know, part of what I think we need as permission is to hear this. Sometimes you need to allow yourself to digest your disappointment. Sometimes you just need time 
time to process your pain. And sometimes we need time to sit with our sadness. And that's okay. It's not a case of I'm a Christian so I'm happy and cheerful and happy clappy all the time. And sometimes we sit with those that mourn, don't we? And when you share stuff from this conference, when the, the books that you buy that you gift as gifts to others or whatever, and you say to people, you're having some hippo time and I will be with you. I have a friend going through the darkest time I can imagine ever. And he ain't a Christian. And it's so dark, it's so awful, that he can only tell two people. And I'm one of them. And he's going through so much pain. And I think sometimes we are evangelizing people, not by with the words that we say, but the fact that we walk with them. But do you know what? I've got another message for you. Hippo time's okay, but it's temporary. Folks, it's a detour. It is not meant to be a destination. And I just wonder whether some of us need to allow ourselves and not feel guilty for having hippo time. But I also, whether some of us just need to acknowledge a weird noise. (laughs) Do some of us just need to say, I think I've been wallowing for too long on this one. And in a sense, it literally is time to shut up and move on. I want you to think about this in scripture as well in how we can respond well to some of our events. Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything, if anything, anything is excellent or praiseworthy think about such things does God speak through his word of course he does but if God can speak through Balaam's ass (laughs) he can speak through a secular podcast You see, I want to engage with the world. I don't want to be in my Christian bubble. I want to listen to the Stephen Bartlett's of this world. I want to hear what Jordan Peterson's got to say. I want to hear what the the four main big atheists of the past had to say about Christianity and religion. Because when I'm engaging with people, I want to be relevant. And sometimes I am sharing a podcast and I'm going, have you heard this from the diary of the CEO? It's excellent. And then what happened this week, that person who I talked to about the diary of the CEO, secular thing, Stephen Bartlett, whether you know him or not, I then sent a Justin Briley episode called The Surprising Rebirth of the Belief in God. I want to be relevant and I want you to understand this when Romans 12, 2 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The biggest battle we are ever gonna face is between our ears. Oh, and by the way, no weapon formed against us can can defeat us. Do you know what? The weapon that could defeat you is yourself. 
It's the way you can, the narrative about who you are. You can derail yourself. And I want you to think about this because I'm working in a secular marketplace and I want you to share good news. I want you to say to people, basically, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But I can't be sharing scripture. But you know what? When you and I think, we often think in questions. And some of you are thinking, do I? <laughs> really? Seriously, one of the first thoughts you might have when you wake up in the morning could be a question. Uh, what time is it? Who are you? <laughs> and who are you? It's the cats, it's a family show. Do you know what I did as a gift for people? I came up with seven questions to help you sumo. Questions you could reflect on when you're faced with an issue or a challenge. I want to share out of those seven, I want to share two with you. As I do, I want you to think about an issue or a challenge that's going on in your world at the moment. And I want you to think about this question. You know, is my response <laughs> appropriate and effective? Seriously. So many relationships are damaged because we're in red cap reactions. And sometimes, as Mark encourages us to do, can we reflect on our behaviour, not just pray or ask for forgiveness, which is all important, but reflect on it and go, was my response appropriate and effective? That was the question I asked that made me decide to change the response I had to my brother. And do you know what else I think is important sometimes when we can? And that's why when the Bible talks about what we should think about, why gratitude is so important. Because the negative that can stick to our brains like Velcro, like I said before, sometimes we get a distorted view of the church. We get a distorted view of life. We get a distorted view of people. We have a distorted view of ourselves. Because we're so easily able to remember the bad stuff. And God's not saying forget it, learn from it. But there is so much wonderful, amazing, abundant, joyful stuff happening in your life every single day. And do you know a question that's helped me? I remember I was driving back from Surrey. I'm on the M25. I've been done 30 miles in three hours. And I asked myself... Well, I wanted to sort of send out invites to the pity party. And then I asked myself this question, and maybe this is a question for you to think about as well. What can I find that's positive in this situation? You know what I was thinking to myself? When I was ill with ME, I was too ill to drive a car. When I was ill with ME, I didn't know whether it'd work again. And when I was ill with ME, I wondered whether we'd even be able to start a family. And as I'm sat, you see, this is what we need to think about, the practical nature of our faith and the wisdom of God. And by the way, 200 postcards, get one from me later. And as I'm sat on the M25, I'm thinking this. Do you know what? When I was ill with ME, couldn't drive. I'm here today because I can drive. I'm here today because I've been working. And when I get home, I will get home to my wife and my two kids. And do you know what's amazing about the traffic? Nothing. <laughs> it was a flipping nightmare. Because here's my word to you. Sometimes the stuff out there doesn't change. But 
how you view it does because of what's going on up here. Can I just leave one more story? About three minutes, John, is that all right? Folks, I just want you to really stop and understand this. I operate in the world of business. I work with elite athletes. I work with leaders in the NHS and in education. And I want you to understand and appreciate this. I don't ever hear anything particularly that makes me think, well, that's anti-God, that's anti-Christian, that's not part of the kingdom values. When organisations are talking about the power of kindness and compassion. And I want you to recognise and be proud of the fact that our godly wisdom is something that people are accessing even though they don't call it that. That we can start to build bridges with them by sharing ideas with them and talk about things that they've listened to that weren't overtly Christian, that you've listened to that weren't overtly Christian and share it with them and then maybe that opens up another conversation. And I want you just to understand this. It was really interesting to help us, I want you to understand the ripple effect, the actions you take. You see, for years I did this presentation masterclass, helping people to become more, better communicators. Guess who came on it a few years ago? Matt Summerfield. A brilliant communicator anyway, but guess what? I showed a video on that masterclass. Fired up. Ready to go. And Matt took that to share it and make a difference to other people. You have a ripple effect on the people around you. My son was 15 at the time. He came home from school one day. He said, I want to become a doctor. I said, great, bit of a surprise, but great. He said, why is it a surprise, Dad? I said, well, no offence, Matt, but when we were last talking about school, you told me how you hated biology. Call me intuitive, but I just thought an interest in biology may be relatively useful if you want to become a doctor. Do you know what my son said? We've got a new teacher, Mrs. Shaw. She's a lot stricter than my other biology teacher, Dad. In fact, some of my mates don't even like her. But because she's strict, we get to learn something in the lesson now. And do you know what? She's really passionate about the subject. But I've looked into it. Do you know what, Dad? Even if I got the best grades in all the most appropriate exams, it's no guarantee I'll get into medical school. It's one of the most competitive courses to get on in the whole of the country. But I want to go for it. My son was 15 when we had that conversation. He's now 30. Eight summers ago, I went to his graduation at Lancaster University and I heard him take his doctor's oath. He's now a GP in Liverpool. And I've been telling this story about this one teacher, Mrs Shaw, ever since my son got onto the course. And it occurred to me, I've never thanked her. I've never thanked her. And I want to be known as someone who is a thankful person who's cheering people on. I sent her a little handwritten note. Hello, Mrs Shaw, you and I have never met. But I talk about you behind your back. And I tell people, you are mad. You are making a difference. Because it wasn't the curriculum, it wasn't the education system, it wasn't even specifically the school, it was you, Mrs Shaw. You were the catalyst to my son wanting to become a doctor. And I just wanted to say thank you. Do you know what's interesting? She got in touch. Mr McGee, I was thrilled to hear how Matt is getting on. Would you please pass on my best wishes? Oh, and by the way, your card... Your car just made my year. 
Why do I share that story? Because when we look at the stats, the church is in decline. But I think part of the message from this whole conference is to understand that might be the narrative, but do not be discouraged. Whatever day of the week that you are on, make the most of every opportunity. Remember, events will come your way. But it doesn't mean because that was the event, that has to be the outcome. It's how you respond that is also going to influence the outcome. Allow yourself some hippo time. But remember, it's okay, but it's temporary. It's a detour. It is not a destination. And remember the battle in your mind. I always say this to non-Christians, besides God, if you believe in God, the most important person you're ever going to talk to is yourself. Folks, may God continue to transform us by the renewing of our mind. And as we leave this conference, may we recognize that God is at work, but he is at work through us. And whether we like it or not, every single one of us is utterly, totally and completely mad. I hope Simon makes a difference to you. You make a difference. Thank you very much. Bless you. You've been listening to the Evangelists Conference podcast. Visit evangelistsconference.com to find out more.